Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network as well. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls, like us on Facebook at Locked On Bulls. And if you want to advertise with us or have a question you want us to answer on the show, make sure you email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerlin of 670 to score. The streak's alive, Cody. It's 20, alive. 20 in a row for the hashtag TNT Bulls. That's 20 regular season home wins at the United Center in games televised by TNT. Greatest streak in sports we floated last time this happened, so I guess we just got to keep going with that storyline. So I think it's this one, Joe DiMaggio's hitting streak two. Cal Ripken's consecutive games, Cal Ripken's played, consecutive streak. games played streak three. You think the Bulls can get to 2,632 straight wins on TNT? Is there any evidence that they can't? That's a good point, Sean. That's I a don't good think, point. I mean, maybe if TNT doesn't exist at some point in the 200 years into the future, if it's replaced with something else, maybe the streak goes away or maybe it carries over. Very good point. 99-93 Bulls win over the Cavs was how they got this one done. And actually, uh, three weeks ago... They beat the Warriors on a TNT Thursday at home. And I think we kind of just cited shenanigans, which was true. Like, Clay Thompson had 14 shots go in and out, at least it seemed like. And just a weird game. Paul Zipser was getting buckets. Yeah, this game, the Bulls, they just did what they needed to do. They played good basketball, Sean. They made 12 three-pointers, 12 of 25 from three-point range. Nikola Mirotic, obviously... The headlining star of the night with 28 points, which matched a season high for him. Jimmy Butler also had 25 points. Rajon Rondo can't shoot 3 of 13 from the field. Otherwise, it was fantastic with 15 assists, 9 rebounds. So, like, didn't this feel like Bulls basketball? Like, this wasn't Thursday night shenanigans other than Kevin Love fouling out, obviously, and playing 20 minutes, got a foul every time he got on the floor in the second half. But this was just good Bulls basketball. This wasn't so much shenanigans as much as there was just some memorable stuff that happened. Nico going off the way he did. Uh, we'll get to the Jimmy Eyepatch stuff later. Yeah. But that was That's more of just, like, a fun little storyline. That wasn't, you know, them winning because of a phantom foul call against Marcus Smart or Etwan Moore hitting a buzzer beater over Russell Westbrook a couple of years ago. We're hard on the Bulls a lot on this podcast because for very long stretches it's been very bad basketball. There was that stretch in the second quarter tonight. I think Fred Hoiberg compared it to bad news bears. Uh, the footage hopefully just gets excised from any memory whatsoever or storage uh, between the Bulls and the Cavs for a while there in the second quarter. But otherwise I thought the Bulls, they were really good. Like 37 points in the third quarter. That's how they got it done. They were down six points and then all of a sudden what? Like a 15-2 run or something. Yeah, they and, had they had that one bad stretch in the second quarter when the Cavs got up by 11. Yeah. Other than that, I mean... But Nico's just firing. Nico was just firing. I just... I love how confident Nico was. Like, he... 
And he actually, like, I, I was kind of joking with him about it after the game. I don't think he realized that I was joking, but there was this one time he missed, like, he made his first, like, three three-pointers, and then he just pulls up from 30 and misses one. It's a heat check. And I was trying, trying to joke with him that it was, you know, he was so confident that he was just taking these heat checks. I think he thought I was actually calling him out to... For missing that shot, well, just make sure you laugh more. Than I was when you right, yeah, but but no, laugh. I just I just loved how confident he was. He's just out there. He he thinks every single shot is going, and he's saying stuff like, "This is my time now." Yeah, it's my I, time. To I make was it going right. to say, I thought those those comments resonated with me. It's my time. It's my time to make it right, and they're a little cryptic, and obviously we know what they're referring to, and that's his inconsistencies. Yeah. But he's throwing it out there, you know, like this is my moment, and. Do you sense a changed Nico? Because he's a guy who, when he's down, it's really easy to tell he's down. And it's obviously a much better vibe and attitude when your shots are falling. But I think he's also done a lot to work toward that. Like Fred Hoiberg talked about how proud he was that he didn't mope and mentally check out in that three-game stretch in earlier in March when he was benched for two games and active for another, like... He could have mentally been done for the season. You know what I mean? Well, I think and Nico was. I think Nico is smart enough and he's self aware enough that I think he realizes this is kind of a pivotal point in his career. And I mean, I'm not just saying, oh, he's playing like this because it's a contract year, but you know, he kind of. I think he kind of hit a crossroads with that stretch of a month ago when he got the DNP for three straight games and was inactive, and he was thinking, and he, you know, he basically said, you know. I could, you know, feel sorry for myself and, and just check out and then maybe I'm out of the league next year or I don't or I get like a one year minimum contract or like I don't get as much money as I might get from somebody if I just completely check out and fall out of the rotation. Or I can use it as motivation, come back, play as well as I'm playing and then get a big contract this summer. Yeah. And I mean, stay in the league for a, good a while. Point. We'll talk about this. I know we say a lot about the off season podcasts. We'll look ahead to who the Bulls sign and stuff. But, like, every game he plays like this is tilting the odds more in his favor of remaining in Chicago. You know what I mean? If there's a meter, it was definitely highly unlikely to be signed as recently well, as a month ago. They couldn't give him away at, at the table. Yeah. And that was at the point where it's like, Nico probably isn't coming back. This, this is making a decision much harder for the Bulls. But to your point, yeah, maybe he would have had to sign a one-year contract. I mean, we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. He could make himself with a good month and a half to finish. The oh, season. he's gonna get. He's gonna get. I mean, this this last couple of weeks stretch since he got back in the rotation just cemented he's gonna get paid. Whether it's by the Bulls or anybody else, we talked about this the other day that some team yeah. is gonna say, you know, he clearly is talented enough that he's capable of playing like this, and we think he can be consistent in our system. And they're gonna, he's gonna get a lot of money this summer. Whether it's from the Bulls, I don't know, but that's a discussion for another day. This is important here. Why is Nico playing so much better? I think one thing is confidence. That's the off the court part. On the court, he is playing most all of his minutes, a ton of long stretches with Rajon Rondo on the court. Nico went out of his way to cite Rondo in post game press availability. He's finding me open. He's finding me every time I'm open. And he was he was clear like every time I'm open, Rajon Rondo finds me when he has the yeah. ball. It's not most of the time. It's not some of the time. It's not I'm spotting up and maybe they'll decide to kick the ball out. That The ball that was in Dwayne Wade's hands so much more often when Nico was playing alongside him is now in Rajon Rondo's hands. And Rondo's goal is to throw it to the first person who's in a strong position to 
efficient position on the floor to finish a shot. Right. Right. And the other thing with Rondo is I think he he's you know, he, he's one of the smartest players in the league yeah. and he realizes like we've you know, for for as much as and this is something we've talked about also before, like for as you know, as polarizing as he's been and as as much weird stuff has happened with him this season, one of the the, the reason that his teammates all swear by him this year is because he has just been going out of his way to help the young guys. And Nico's twenty six. He's not you know, he's not like Bobby Portis where he's 20 yeah. or 21 or, you know, Jaron Grant or He still whatever. needs guidance, But he's 26, though. and he's he's a guy that, like, clearly, you know, he needs, like, some of these veterans to give him confidence. If Rondo is saying, look, I'm going to go out of my way. He doesn't explicitly say he looks for him. Like, he's going to say, I'm going to go out of my way to make sure this guy gets the ball, to make sure he knows that we want him to shoot. That's something that Rondo, I feel like, is doing, and you, you hear Nico credit him. Nico made nine field goals in this game. Seven of them were assisted by Rajon Rondo. Of those seven, five of them were three-pointers by Nico. 19 of Nico's 28 points came directly off passes from Rondo. And I don't know what his free-throw situation was, but maybe he got those because of a Rondo pass, too. Maybe maybe even a few more. You know what I mean? Like, that is absolutely nuts. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that is what Fred Hoiberg wants. This is what... He envisioned, and I loved, you said Rondo, you know, making a point to get Nico the ball, which is so important, which is hilarious, the postgame. Yeah, he was, this is great. And Rondo delivered this with a smile, and... He was only half serious, but, yeah. That's the thing, he was, he was half serious, he was half joking, he delivered it, the message, in a fully joking manner, you know what I'm saying? And Rondo said, the crazy thing is, Nico's doing it without plays, he doesn't really have any play calls for him. He's hard to scout. We don't have any plays for Nico. We do, but we haven't ran them in like six months. And then he went on after he said that. He pointed out six months ago, Nico wasn't making shots. So, and then he kind of left it hanging. Right. Then he later joked that hopefully Coach Hoiberg puts more plays back in for Nico. Yeah, hope. I mean, I think at this point that's probably going to be a priority the rest of the way. It's so, so good though. And I want to let you know what else is awesome for you guys is SeatGeek, which is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, any sporting event, concerts you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium arena for the biggest plays of the years. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want at a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It's the easiest way i found to shop for tickets. You can be anywhere, anytime. And instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek always finds you the lowest available price. SeatGeek also gets you the most bang for your buck, which is important. That's why every single ticket on SeatGeek is given a great score based on value. You can immediately see underpriced seats that fit your budget. Every ticket's also 100% backed guarantee so you can shop with confidence here's what we need locked on bulls listeners to do download the seat geek app go to settings click add a promo code use promo code lo bulls just how it sounds lo bulls seat geek will send you twenty dollars after you've made your first ticket purchase with promo code lo bulls sean what else stuck out to you in this basketball game well, so we need to talk about... For, well, well, first of all, just a quick thing. Jaron Grant is alive. It's plus nine in three minutes and plus minus. He played, yeah, barely alive. Yeah. It, it, it was more like... It was it was symbolic. He was not released. He was he merely got, given some visitation rights. He got his phone call. Yeah, to the court. 
But, okay, so we need to talk about the Jimmy Butler high patch thing because that was hilarious. Jimmy got poked in the eye, according to his own words, gouged in the Iman eye. Iman Shepard by... tried to gouge his eye out. He said that jokingly, but... Yeah. I didn't actually see the play it happen, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't either. Um, and there was a pass kind of the last few minutes of the first half that was thrown. Jimmy was kind of the right wing or right corner. Pass was fired and he couldn't see it whatsoever. Like, the ball flies into the first row. Jimmy leaves... The game shortly after, go back to the locker room to get his eye checked out, and he said they basically squirted some things in his eyes um, to clean it out. Said it was hard to see for a while. After the game, though, he comes back, starts the second half. Was spectacular. 25 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Um, helped slow down LeBron James after LeBron destroyed Paul Zipser at moments earlier in the game. That's what Jimmy does? We can get to. Yes, that's what Jimmy does. Stopper as well. Well, Jimmy shows up in the post-game press conference in front of his locker with an eye patch on. But it's not even like a real eye patch. It was like makeshift. It was like a, it was a it was a it was a prop eye patch. It was basically just like one of those like shin guard. It was guard athletic things. tape. It was like athletic tape with like, with like a shin guard or like something. An was, elbow pad or like a it volleyball a, knee pad underneath. It wasn't a real eye patch like you would have if you if there was actually something wrong. And then he took it off afterwards, and that's why I was fine. He just had it on for show, and he called himself. Uh, it was. It was a little weird. Called himself what? Uh, One-Eyed Willie from the Goonies. That, that's it. That's it. He did. It was weird doing the interview because I, I asked him a question or two and looking, I'm like, you got to like key in on the one eye that's visible and it's really weird. You know what I mean? Like, it was. It was, it was peak Jimmy Butler um, in a good mood. And, I mean, there's good reason to have good vibes. The Bulls are now 36 and 39. I don't know that there's – not saying good vibes for a year – Overall, we're not doing State of the Bulls year in review here, but for the moment... Well, they're going to hit the over. Confidence. If you took the over on the 38.5, I think they're going to hit that. Yeah, there's still some games to play. Probably, yes. Probably. But they are in ninth place in the East. Exactly one game behind the Heat and Pacers, who occupy the tied for 7th, but occupy the 7 and 8 spots there. And the Bulls, by the way, have tiebreakers over both of them. They have the tiebreaker over Miami. They have not clinched it over Indiana, but it is getting really close by way of mathematical uh, formulas in the conference wins uh, if they don't win the division tiebreaker. So, yes, it's very close. And the Bulls have an easy schedule down the stretch, which we've talked about before. Seven games, last six against non-playoff teams. Last six against non-playoff teams, and the Hawks on Saturday aren't going to have Paul Millsap, who is their best player. Yep. Um, So another funny note on the Hawks. Hoiberg's never beat the Hawks in his Bulls tenure, but he's now 7-1 and one against the Cavs in his coaching tenure. Well, no matter what happens this year, the front office has their talking point. Yeah, throwing the 3-1 and one record against the Raptors, I think. Is that what it is? So, 7-1 and one against Raptors and, and Cavs again. 6-1. 6-1. and, one. Six and one. Six That was and one of your boys' bold predictions. You can just run it back. That's true. Oh, my gosh, you're going to beat me on that. But so uh, both doctors haven't screwed up yet either. Like, well, they have. Time's you're, running out you're for good, me. You're have, good. <laughs> I might be like one of five or something on these predictions. Right. So, uh, <laughs> right. But I mean, I, I I thought this whole this whole thing was large. But as far as the playoff race goes, I think they're going to make it because, and here's why. I don't think we have to worry about Miami anymore in terms of like them chasing Miami, them falling out. The Pacers are an absolute mess. And their next four games that they have coming up, they play the Raptors twice, they play the Cavs, and they play the Bucks. That's that's really, really tough. Yeah. 
And the Pacers, like, for as much as, you know, the Bulls are struggling at times and they struggle beating bad teams and they're not locked in because the team isn't very good in terms of talent, like, besides the Instagram stuff two months ago, these guys all generally get along and like each other. There's not a lot of tension. The Pacers, if you look at, like, the stuff that Paul George is saying and, you know, just the body language watching some of these games, the Pacers seem like they actively just don't like each other and don't want to be around each other. It reminds me a lot of the Rockets last year. Yeah, Paul George is making all these comments that make it sound like he wants to be in Los Angeles, a Los Angeles Laker in a couple summers, doesn't it? Okay, so here's the thing about that, and I don't want to get into a whole, like, what's Paul George going to do thing. He talks about how, you know, dysfunctional the Pacers are. He wants to go to the Lakers. The Lakers are a mess, too. Yeah, I, mean, I, know they, I know he's from L.A. and he wants a, to... No, they're, they're not a... They're a mess by way of wins and losses and on-court product. But they had a superstar. I think they'd be fine. I mean, they have good leadership now with Luke Walton. I think they're going to be uh, fine. So so I don't think that's a problem for them. That's, that's an off-season topic. But you, you want to talk? So Pacers are falling. I think, falling. I think... The, I think the, I'm out on the Pacers. I think the Pacers are a complete mess. I mean, if you made me choose right now, yes... I think the Bulls are more likely than the Pacers to make the playoffs. But I said before the season, Bulls are going 40-42 and occupying the nine spot, and they are perfectly in line to do that still right now. What I wonder is, they've, I mean, they're the team that a couple weeks ago had an above 500 record against above 500 teams and a sub-500 record against sub-500 teams. So we know that problem has plagued them forever. Is the playoff picture, the playoff chase being right there at their fingertips? And is that the spark that will motivate them to beat the teams they should beat, Sean? Because, again, you point out the schedule. Yes, if the Bulls just go, what, 5-2 and two down the stretch? Yeah. 6-1 and one gets them in the playoffs for sure. 5-2 and two probably. 4-3 and three maybe gets them in on the tiebreaker, you know, something like yeah. that. But, like... Is this playoff chase enough of a spark and tangible enough that that's going to be what fires him up? Because Hoiberg says, he said on several occasions, he's not the guy that does motivation. Like He's there to coach, and he was told by Larry Brown years ago that when he was a player, it's your job as a player to be ready to play that night and motivated. But is that playoff chase enough to motivate them? I think it is. I think I think especially it is for I mean we'll I mean we'll see how some of these other guys play because a lot of it is like a lot of these guys just aren't that good and aren't that consistent and that's not a motivational thing it's you know it's more of a talent thing. I think Jimmy Butler is extremely motivated to make the playoffs because you know he wants to, as much as he will tell you whenever you ask him that he doesn't care about what people think about him or any of this stuff. He wants to be seen as one of the elite players in the league and he wants to be seen as a franchise player and part of doing that is if he could drag this team as flawed as this roster is, and with Dwayne Wade out for the rest of the regular season, if he could drag this team to the playoffs, that's going to be a huge notch in his belt. So I think he's going to be really motivated to do that. Rajon Rondo's really Rondo, motivated. obviously. Like, he wants to salvage something from this season, which was obviously not what he signed up for. And like, I, I'm excited. I'd be excited to see playoff Rondo, because I feel like that's, that's national TV Rondo every game, unless you're on... NBA TV and maybe people aren't quite. Oh, the Bulls. National TV. Rondo. And LeBron. The LeBron is not going to be on NBA TV ever. That's true. But right now, if the playoffs started, wouldn't it be? Aren't the Celtics in the driver's seat a little bit? Uh, they are. Yeah, they are. They are a half game ahead of the Cavs. They are now. What do you think about this whole Cavs thing? I I tend to think that they're going to be okay in the playoffs. I don't think they'll beat the Warriors in the finals if that's the matchup again. If you know, you, if Durant's healthy, or frankly, even if Durant's not healthy, because I mean, this team seems like it's running out of gas. But I don't think anybody in the East is winning a series against them. I think they're going to get to the finals. Um, yes, I I predict the Cavs who what lost five of seven is that five right? Five of seven. 
Um, and they got, have looked really bad. They got killed by the Spurs. Looked really bad. I would say that it's certainly... I'm picking the Cavs to go to the NBA Finals out of the East. No doubt about that. What I would say is I don't think at any point in LeBron's tenure in the six-year run in the East where he's made the Finals, I don't think they've ever been more vulnerable in their conference. Like, this is the most vulnerable, right, that this they've is, been? Yeah, this is the this is the year to do it. Like, you know, Geyer getting out. Know, Kevin Love is still not playing on back-to-backs. Uh He's still trying to get back from that knee injury. J.R. Smith has been awful. LeBron has so many miles on him at this point. And as much as, you know, LeBron is superhuman and LeBron is is every, all the superlatives you can say about him, LeBron has played more minutes at this point in his career than any other player had in NBA history. Look, they've added Darren Williams, Kyle Korver since the trade deadline. And Andrew Bogut, who broke who broke his leg but I'm a saying game into the season. They're adding Korver and Williams to a rotation that already didn't feature quality defenders. Like, look, who's good? Kevin Love's not a good defender. Kyrie Irving's not a good defender. J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson definitely can... can, can Tristan Thompson's very good. J.R. Smith is serviceable. Yeah. Iman Shumpert's a good defender, but, like, when you're playing LeBron and he's conserving a little bit here on the defensive end, and then all of a sudden you got Korver... Williams out there in your second rotations and Irving still out LeBron, there at times LeBron with these guys not, in love. Like they're they're a bad defensive team. Right. Le- LeBron LeBron is not nearly I mean, he can still bring it defensively sometimes when he wants to, but he is not nearly like like a few years ago, like his last couple of years in Miami, he legitimately was the best defensive player in the league. He's not that anymore. Yeah. So I think Cavs would be fine, but yeah, they're uh, they're certainly vulnerable. Did want to clear up a couple final few notes with the Bulls. Chris Felicio, uh was available to play after missing three games with a back injury, but he didn't play. I don't know that... I asked Fred, actually. What did, what did he say? He just said that it was, uh, like, they he'd only had one practice where he participated okay. in everything, and they just wanted to get him in rhythm. He said, he, he told me that he thinks he'll play Saturday. Yeah, so Chris Felicio, healthy enough to play, but a little rotational matchup type things, too, and easing him back in. Cameron Payne. The Bulls had 14 healthy players, so they had to make one inactive. Cameron Payne was the healthy inactive. If you forgot who he was, he's the point guard of the future, according to management, right? Another guy who's supposedly part of the Bulls' long-term plans made inactive in favor of Isaiah Cannon. And Fred Hoiberg in pregame is already discussing just his summer vision for Cameron Payne and how important that's going to be to get him in the gym basically every day in Chicago, around these guys, stay here, um, hoop with some of his teammates, play a lot, uh, maybe play in Vegas Summer League, maybe not, but at least, play in the, league. at least be on the practice squad that goes out there and gets ready for it, something like that. So He like, has to play in Summer League. He has not, I mean, most, most third-year guys don't play in Summer League, but he has not earned the right at this point to not play if Summer we, League. If we had a scale and we're weighing player development versus uh, playoff push for the Bulls, Tonight was heavily weighted back onto the playoff push because Rajon Rondo's playing 36 minutes. Cameron Payne is inactive. And in recent weeks, there's been times where you're confused what the Bulls are doing, and sometimes it's tilting at player development over the playoff push. But I think Fred Hoiberg deserves credit here for pairing Rondo with Miritich and just riding them lately and getting them in that starting lineup together. And, I mean, you can make the argument that's long overdue, but... Taj Gibson was also on the team and performing a lot better than Nico Meritich for most all of the year. So, had Nico on the second line with Rondo, 
for times, but Nico's a guy that just needs his reps, his shots, yeah. needs to play those 35 minutes a game uh, to do that and not just come on off the bench, you know, and play for four-minute stretches with Rondo a couple times a game. So I have one more very, very important note that I want to clarify here. Let's hear it. So... Some of you who are watching the game on TV and are maybe more tuned into little details may have noticed that Robin Lopez was wearing a white headband tonight, and he's not a guy who normally wears a headband. Not a headband guy. He's not a headband guy. I was told by both people involved in this decision that Jimmy Butler just was curious what Robin would look like with a headband, and so he said, hey, you should wear a headband this game, and Robin was like, okay, I'll try it out. Jimmy Butler, team leader right there. That's leadership. It wasn't, it wasn't be him saying, because Robert Lopez is like the one guy in this team you don't need to worry about if he's going to be consistent on the night. So it wasn't like a performance-based thing. Like, I, like remember a couple of years ago in the finals, like the last Miami year, Le, LeBron was, like, took his headband off and then, and then he, like, dominated the next game in the finals. I hope the conversation was that simple. And I'm going to always view it as that way. Because, like, I, I hope it's just in passing. Jimmy, you know, Robin, you... You should try a headband. Like, I think that'd help you. That'd look good. That'd look good. And Robin's going, okay. Like, I hope it was that simple. Well, I that, asked, that cracks me up. Well, for what, it's, for, what, for what it's worth, Jimmy said that Robin's now not allowed to wear a headband again. He didn't like the way it looked. Okay. He liked the result, though. And I thought Robin did fine. Well, Rob, I mean, Robin's, yeah. Robin's going to do what... I mean, you're, you're going to get you know, you 15 points and 10 rebounds out of Robin Lopez every single night. He's been the, he's so been Jimmy, the, most, he's been the most consistent player Jimmy Butler team. needed like a full 48-minute game to go along with warm-ups to decide whether it looked good on Robin. Not just like a <laughs> put it on in the locker room and let me see. He needed to see what it looked like under the lights in front of 20,000. But you know what? That's like, 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 like... I think that's cool that like something little like that has happened. These guys can still like come up with stuff like that just to switch it up and they're not this isn't like a the Bulls are in a slump and Robin Lopez is having a terrible month Jimmy Butler suggested that he should wear a headband in order to turn his season around this is more just you know Jimmy thought it would be cool Robin was just like fine let's do it I'm gonna jump two logical steps to the conclusion that Sean just said the Bulls are making the playoffs because of team camaraderie based around headband suggestions so there you have it from Locked on Bulls you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Bulls. You can follow Sean at Hiken, myself, at Cody Westerlin. We've got a Facebook page by the name of Locked On Bulls. Um, email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com. Always appreciate your questions. You can send advertising inquiries that way as well. Most of all, please subscribe to the podcast. That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else you can find podcasts, whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on there. Go on iTunes, leave us lots of five-star reviews. Uh, tell your friends, subscribe, check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On Cavs for their perspective on this game and on the kind of the Cavs' recent struggles. Check out Locked On NBA, Locked On NFL, Locked On NFL uh, Draft. Draft is coming up, Locked On NFL. Like All the teams have their own podcasts. It's great. You check out any one of those that you're interested in. And we will be back with you guys after the Hawks game on Saturday. Thanks for listening.